The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. So, uh, usually, uh, you know, when you're going to give a Dharma talk, uh, I like to feel, you know, kind of up and in the game and real peppy and uh, ready to go, but uh, I don't really uh, feel that way uh, at the moment. Uh, uh, right now, I'm kind of tired and achy, and uh, I'm kind of aware of a sense of mourning, and uh, uh, one reason is uh, the 18th anniversary of my father's death was uh, yesterday, but I don't think that's the main source as far as I can make out. Uh, I'm a little bit in mourning that uh, we lost the half uh, retreat people. Um, and I've, it's a familiar feeling to me because uh, uh, you know, when a group leaves the Sangha, you feel it. You feel it. Sangha is so powerful. And, uh, you know, to lose a quarter of the Sangha or whatever it is, it, you feel it. Uh, so that's where I'm at. And, you know, as Dogen would say, uh, this is... Uh, my moment of being time, and uh, I have to actualize it uh, from where I am. Uh, I was very taken by Arshuso's uh, remark the other day that uh, the people are, who are leaving by putting their energy into their lives, quote, out there will be helping us and uh, by putting our energy into what we're doing here, we will be helping them and helping, uh, in fact, the whole world. Uh, and from our common sense, egotistical point of view, it's hard to see how that's possible. It just sounds like some nice words. But actually... Uh, if we lose, uh, or not lose is the wrong word, but if we're willing to detach, to set aside uh, our habitual egocentric way of looking at the world, we can see that there is no in here and out there. Uh, it's all the time being, the time being as it's manifesting here. I mean, this is just a convention. These are like four, you know, four very large walls. Uh, and the space that was created years ago in upstate New York, but it doesn't mean that's, that's in here. This place is the whole world. And where uh, 
our Sangha members are currently. Uh, that's the whole world. And we're here with all beings throughout space and time and the whole world. All we have to do is set aside our self-centered uh, view. It doesn't mean our self-centered view is wrong and uh, the more spacious view is right. It just means if we're not so attached to either one, we have a whole lot more freedom to function in the world as the human beings we want to be. Uh, one reason, quite a selfish reason I'm mourning them is because uh, I made a little bit of a mistake uh, as I was planning this talk. There were so many people here from, for the first time, I thought, wow, it would, be, it would be really nice not to assume that they knew everything all about Dogen. And uh, so I thought it would be nice if the talk included, uh, you know, just some basic facts about uh, Dogen. Uh, and we do still have some first-timers are here, but now I'm seeing many more old hands in proportion. But, you know, even if you're, if you've heard it a million times uh, before, it's always fun to hear the old stories, and often we can see them in a new and different way. Um, so, uh, I'll go ahead, and so, as we know, uh, Dogen uh, was a monk in the 13th century, lived his life in the first half of the 13th century, and uh, wrote a lot of things that we study, including our study texts, being time, but uh, one of the most fundamental things about uh, Dogen is that he was a Buddhist. And uh, if you understand what he's talking about, being time, I think in order to really connect with Dogen's being time, it's important uh, to connect with Shakyamuni's being time. They were each moments of being time. The uh, being time of Shakyamuni was the being time of Dogen. But they were moments in relation, so they manifested their being time in different ways. So, to begin with uh, Shakyamuni, Gautama Siddhartha, uh, he was born into extremely privileged circumstances. He was a, a prince. And then uh, he was a pampered person. Uh, his father, the king, wanted him to have everything, want for nothing, and not have any uh, bad vibes come his way. So he was completely sheltered. Uh, but he became very discontented and bored with his sheltered life. And so one day he ventured outside the walls of the palace and 
Almost immediately, he encountered sickness, old age, and death. This was ancient India. It wasn't very hard. And he aroused the Bodhi mind. He had to find out how can we address suffering and its causes. And so he went on his spiritual journey and tried many different things. And uh, the part uh, that we in Zen like to emphasize is finally, after all his practices, he just sat. He sat for six days. And then on the morning after the sixth day, he saw the morning star and realized himself. Well, what did he realize at that moment of his being time? What was it? Now Dogen, some similar, some different, he also was born into extremely privileged circumstances and also at a very young age. Uh, his mother died. He was maybe seven or eight years old. And he saw the incense rising, not the incense, her, the smoke from her funeral pyre rising. And he asked himself, where has my mother gone? Where is she? So he raised the Bodhi mind, studying first uh, Shingon Buddhism, and then when uh, that failed to address his deep questions, he started studying Zen, uh, and when the Zen that was available in Japan uh, didn't uh, answer his questions, he went to China and walked off, visited lots of monasteries in China and didn't find what he was looking for. But finally, uh, he encountered his true teacher, Ru Jing. And so, he was sitting uh, deep into the night in that sangha. Maybe they were having a session uh, like this one. And Rujing uh, saw that there were some monks who were asleep, and so he took off his slipper and hit one of them. And he said, Zen is not about sleeping. It's about dropping body and mind. And Dogen had a realization. What did he realize in his moment of being time? Was it the same or was it different than what Shakyamuni realized when he saw the morning 
star. So now from this sublime uh, to the ridiculous, uh, there was another uh, young man born in privileged circumstances. Uh, his name at the time was Randall. <laughs> and uh, he was also very fortunate to be born in uh, very prosperous times when technology and medical advances had uh, made it possible to go quite some time in life without encountering major suffering if you were among the privileged. And so his suffering, uh, uh, his first major suffering was when he was 25, and his grandparents were even still alive, but he had his first really bad romantic breakup. And so he was moping around the apartment, and uh, his roommate handed him a book and said, read this, this will make you feel better. And the book was uh, The Way of Zen. Uh, by Alan Watts. So he took a look at it, and uh, I don't know, maybe in the second or third chapter, he encountered his first koan. And actually, just by one of those crazy coincidences, it was a koan that embodied uh, what Dogen is talking about uh, in his essay, Being Time. And uh, it went like this. Uh, uh, Master Matsu and Pei Chang were walking along the river when some wild ducks flew overhead. Matsu pointed and said, what's that? Pai Chang said, wild ducks. Matsu said, where have they gone? Pai Chang said, they've flown away. Matsu grabbed Pai Chang's nose, gave it a twist, and Pai Chang cried out in pain, and Matsu said, when have they ever flown away? And at this, Pai Chong had an insight. And so I looked at this and I said, I don't know what the hell this is about, but I know that this is the truth. Something arose within me at that moment of being time, and I said, yes, this is the truth. I have no understanding, but this is the truth. And so, in my own little way, I aroused the Bodhi mind. And of course, the first thing I wanted to do, because it's the way I did everything, was to read books about Zen. I did that for 10 years, until I went to, uh, Zen Mountain Monastery, and I wrote, met uh, Joshin, who was in residence there, and uh, 
little later, I met Ankyo, who was running a sitting group in her apartment. Um, so that was my moment of being time. Uh, I want to go back uh, to that koan for a minute because it really expresses in a very funny way exactly what Dogen uh, is talking about. So the day after the nose-twisting incident, uh, uh, Matsu was going to give his dharma talk and Pai Changa's attendant rolled up the bowing mat before he even started speaking. And Matsu immediately went back to his room. And he asked uh, Pai Chang, uh, I hadn't even given my talk yet. What did you roll up the bowing mat for? And Pai Chang said, Yesterday you were kind enough to twist my nose, and it really hurt, Master. And... Uh, Matsu said, what did you see at that time? Pai Chang said, my nose doesn't hurt now. Matsu said, you have thoroughly understood the affair of today. You have, to paraphrase, you have truly understood this moment of being time. Pai Chang went back to his room and started crying. And one of his attendant, one of his fellow attendants said, Well, what are you crying for? Pai Chang said, Go ask the master. Uh, the attendant went to Matsu, and Matsu said, Go ask Pai Chang. <laughs> Typical Zen, right? And so the attendant asked Pai Chang, and Pai Chang started laughing out loud and said, well, it's just that I was crying before and now I'm laughing. <laughs> Vigorously abiding in each moment of being time. So... In some translations, it's called being time. In uh, others, it's called the time being. And uh, I think both translations are very helpful uh, because uh, they point to different aspects of the experience. So the awakening moments uh, that uh, we hear about in these stories, uh, seeing uh, the morning star, hearing the slap of the slipper, that you can sort of label as uh, the time being. Uh, as Dogen says, the self set out an array, which is the form of the entire world. Just this moment, 
as it is right now. Very still, very peaceful, seemingly nothing to do, nowhere to go. The time just simply being. But there's another side, of course, and the other side is being time. And what Dogen is telling us in this essay is the time being and being time are not two different things. So being time, that beautiful still moment vanishes as soon as it arises and it's the next moment because the nature of time is to flow. Shakyamuni asks, God, what am I going to do? How can I help people with what I've just seen? And we spent the next 40 years walking the hot and dusty roads of India, trying to, to show people the way, which is basically that they already were the way, just as they were. Uh, Dogen uh, went back to Japan, and being time, he floated around like duckweed for a while, and finally built a monastery. Uh, did a good deal of the work, construction work himself, hauling rocks and, and stuff, being time. He calls this, in another essay, actualizing the fundamental point, or in this one, actualizing the whole world with the whole world. So when the self is set forth in array as the entire world, the whole world comes forth and it becomes possible to actualize the entire world exactly from where you are. It becomes possible to actualize the light of that shining star, actualize the slapping of that slipper, to actualize it from where you are. That's what we're doing here at this session uh, in a very conscious way. Oh, it's time to study the liturgy so we can serve the Sangha. When does this bell ring? Oh, it's time for the bell to ring. Ding! Actualizing the whole world with the whole world. Actualizing this moment of being time. Sometimes... Uh, the light of that star is shining in our aching legs and our aching backs. 
and we get up and we go on to the next thing. And oh, it's time to scrape our plates. Because uh, to help out the people washing dishes. So fortunately, we don't have to be great geniuses or great talents like Shakyamuni and Dogen. Uh, it's not required. They are time, we are time. Trees, grass, birds are time. Each actualizing the whole world with the whole world. If we're there to see the shining of that star in our supposedly ordained, uh, mundane and ordinary lives. Truly, there isn't uh, a fundamental difference between ordinary people and sages. Uh, Master Wansong wrote, uh, the philosopher's stone turns iron into gold. One single word of the fundamental principle turns ordinary people into sages. If you realize that iron and gold are not two, and that sage and ordinary are not fundamentally different, then after all, you won't need it. But tell me, what is that one touch? What is the one touch of this moment? It's not a star now. It's not a slipper slapping now. What is the one touch right at this moment? That was the introduction uh, to a short little koan uh, that I'd like uh, to leave you with. Uh, Master Luoshan asked Ganto, when arising and vanishing go on without ceasing, how is it? I think we're all aware of that, right? Things are always changing. The world can't be grass. We're always slipping on the banana peel the next moment, the unexpected, the truths that we cling to, especially those of us who spent most of our lives in the 20th century. <laughs> uh, those truths suddenly seem fragile, vanishing before our eyes. When arising and vanishing go on without ceasing, how is it? Ganto shouted. And then he said, Who's arising 
and vanishing is it? Whose being time is it? And how will you actualize it vigorously abiding in this moment? How will you actualize it in these closing days of our time together? And how will you actualize it when you go outside back to normal life? How will you save yourself and all beings then? <laughs>